Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. This is episode three. And what this episode is about is working in India. So, Bobby, why were we so keen to make this a topic for our first bonus episode? Well, two things, really. Um, We've been very lucky to travel all over the place uh, with our work. But I think the first India trip was a particular highlight and one that we've been thinking about recently. And the reason we've been thinking about it is that we've recently reconnected with the gentleman who we met over there. And so chatting to him, we realised that this was a pretty big deal for us. And so we thought it might be interesting for people to hear a bit about that trip and uh, some of the experiences that we had. Definitely. So going back a few years, but um, I remember well, we we had wrangled, well, not wrangled, we discussed, um, do we really want to go? Is it is it something we can do? Yes, we can. And then eventually we did the deal with a North American enormous travel firm who were working with this Indian organization. And the day came for us to get on a plane. And it seemed it seemed like an unusual thing, having spent most of our life in, 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 I suppose, lots of northern cities in the UK, lots of time in Scotland, Ireland, places like that where lots of other contact centres are, as well as a massive work in places like London. Um, it was really exciting, wasn't it? I mean, boarding it a plane, it was, it was exciting. It was. And we'd never been anywhere like that before. And it was an experience. And we were very lucky. We paid for an upgrade on the way out. And then we got given a free upgrade on the way back. Um, on the way out, we decided to um, choose the Indian meal choice on the way out to get ourselves ready for it. And it was on that fly that you decided to become a vegetarian for the first week of our 10-day trip, which I've never quite understood. <laughs> um, well, I had been to India years before on a school trip. And in the back of my mind, I mean, yeah, you normally like to take the mick out of that, going, well, I managed to get a French trip. <laughs> a school but, yeah, trip? I, yeah, wow. it was a pretty good school wow. trip. Wow, we, we did a day trip to Calais, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you went to India. Wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it was Yeah, it was a pretty pretty spectacular school trip, which first of all involved walking 200 miles from Kathmandu to Pokhara in Nepal. Oh, everyone's well aware of where Pokhara is. That's great. Yeah, Thanks. sure. Now that I've given those geographical markers, we're fine. And having done that walk, we were rewarded. Uh, we came into the border at Agra and we went to the Taj Mahal and we had two nights in a hotel in Delhi. So I'd been to Delhi before and this whole new place, which I think was called a garden city where we were doing the work, Gurgaon, I don't think it was even born when I'd been there as a schoolboy some 30 years before, um, when I was 17, 18 on my Chulu expedition. So I reckon, Bob, in answer to your question, there was something about me thinking that if I eat veg- vegetables, I'm going to not have any deli belly, any kind of problems, um, which was completely proven to be false. <laughs> so you spent the first week in abject terror mm. and... I remember us going to a wonderful restaurant in central Delhi, um, very Indian. We were the only um, Westerners in that restaurant that day. And I remember thinking, wow, we're going to get some amazing food here. And I had one of the best curries of my life in that place. Whereas what you were served 
as a temporary vegetarian oh dear, can only be described as a blackened <laughs> mess it was black, on a black, plate. It was black beans with another type of bean that was blackened with also some dark shadowy beans and just for thrown in some dark brown beans that were basically black. <laughs> It was a selection of black beans with black bean on black bean, black bean. It was oh. awful. They weren't even black beans. They were charred. Um, I remember looking at what you were eating with the chap who was hosting us. And I thought, okay, Jeremy, maybe now's time to change. Yeah, I've In our, ho- in our hotel, mm. we would have omelets every day because we, yeah. you know, we went to work on an egg every day, didn't we? Oh, yeah. That was good. Yeah. Um, everything was pretty spicy. Very. Uh, but we ate curries that uh, we've never had the like of since, I would say. Yes. I mean, everything, even though you and I have amazing restaurants near us, near us like the Buckin Fort. And yes. I know you have yep. one um, near where you are. I don't think they're quite uh, producing Indian food. They're producing Indian food for English palates, I'd say, aren't they? Well, on the subject of the palates, that leads me on to another appropriate story. So on one day, um, Jeremy was doing some training on his own um, in one of uh, this – uh, one, one room in this large building we were in and my job was to sit in a little office listening to telephone conversations and as I did so I remember distinctly um, looking out of the window and watching thousands of cars trying to get across this tiny junction and cows walking through I mean it's such a kind of uh, feast for the senses this place and I thought, oh, I'm a bit peckish. So I went out to the little kiosk in the contact center and there was a sandwich, a single sandwich, and it was in a 10p or something. So I said, I said, what's that? They said, oh, it's chicken. I said, okay, I'll have that. So I paid 10p for this chicken sandwich. I went in and sat down back in my office and I was listening to some calls. I sunk my teeth into this sandwich. And to this day, it is the single hottest piece of food I've ever put in my mouth and I thought I was going to expire there and then from the intense heat that I experienced from a bite from that sandwich so that gives you an indication we had a long first day and the first day as you say we were kind of wrecking weren't we um we'd already done some pre-work and a little bit of diagnosis but they want us to get right up to date we had lots of meetings um, we had a meeting with the head of the whole place. We had a, he was charming, had a really interesting discussion with him. And mm. I knew it was going well as we started to talk about dogs and holidays and things, which was good. <laughs> um, and I think somebody once said, if that hadn't gone well, we'd have been back on a plane. Um, but that did go well. And then we go yeah. back to the hotel, we, we wake up, and then we went into the first day. And do you remember? do you remember the fairly interesting sight that greeted us as we walked into this massive training room? What did we see being set up in the corner? Do you remember? Well, there was a large camera. Um, and, and, a, were, and a man with equipment. Yes, yeah. and they were going to film it, and they filmed every day. But I think you're also missing the other point, Jeremy. We thought there was going to be about 40 people in the room. There mm. was nigh mm. on 100 people in that room. It was an yeah. immense room. It went back and back, and we were really performing, and I will use that word, to a large group of people every day. And it was great fun. It was massive. It was so, yeah, it was so interactive. They were so bright. They were so happy. We had a lot of fun with them in the role plays. We got people up. I mean, it was was a spectacle, wasn't it? It It really was. It really was. It was immersion. We had days and days of doing this. Yeah. uh, With these very large groups. They had a complete full day of 
nothing but sort of being immersed into language, conversation, questioning. Um, it, it was it was extraordinary. And they filmed every single word, and I believe that chap went into an edit suite for some time to produce an entire catalogue of films uh, that they then took to the Philippines because they also ran the the they had the contract to take calls and, and sell travel for this North American firm in the Philippines, didn't they? Absolutely. So we can say that we've been to the Philippines, even though it was a virtual experience yeah. rather than actual. Um, and it was fantastic fun, actually, and we made, made some really good friends out there. Um, but the other thing, the thing which really sets it apart, really, was the social side. Sure. Because we'd train all day till about half past eight, nine o'clock at night, we then yeah, you have, should just for listeners that isn't because we we were doing that time we didn't start till the afternoon, did we? Yeah, and then we'd have a debrief for an hour just to go through what we talked about that day, and then they'd say, "Okay, guys, let's go to Strikers Bar." And so most nights we went to this bar in downtown Gagaun, which was quite a large. Very cool bar, but it had its own brewery. Do you remember? Yeah, it had a microbrewery. You could, I think, a German guy had set it up with them, and you could see all the brewing equipment. And yeah, fantastic. They had you know draft uh, this draft beer that you could order in these half pints or full pints. My gosh, that place was teeming, wasn't it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then one night, well, I, I remember the night in Strikers Bar, and um, we got very excited. Ragu Dixit was playing. Yes. And you'd seen him on Jules Holland in the yes. UK. Yes, yep. And in he came, played a really small, intimate gig, mm. just with the drinkers, really. Yep. And we had little bits of bites with the people we were there with. I remember one of the trainers, because we were also training trainers, do you remember? Next to me, he was translating some of the, the writing to me. And I remember going, wow, God, that's great. It, it was still good. <laughs> in his translation, the lyrics were Yeah, good. yeah. And then then we just had a beer with them all. We, I, I remember bought the bass player a beer. We met Ragu. Um, they were just a load of lovely chaps, weren't they? Desperate to go back to England again. I think they, were, they had another few dates, you know, at the end of that year. Well, Ragu Dixit is touring all the time, all over the place. Uh, the US, uh, UK, he's played Glastonbury. Um, you know, he's a major Indian singer. But his work is very accessible, and I would recommend people listen to him because he's he's just great. Mm. Um, so other things that we did, we went 10-pin bowling. That was a particular experience for us because when we arrived, they served up some beautiful fried bits of chicken, which Jeremy spurned, um, <laughs> and it was on a kind of platter with a, a massive – load of lager in that you just helped yourself from it was like a tube of lager with your own tap so you could pour yourself a drink i don't know if you remember that jeremy yeah just coming back to me now yeah um and i'm not a 10 pin bowler i mean i'm not a sportsman i i'm not competitive in that way at all but that particular night uh probably something to do with the jet lag i was particularly good at 10 pin bowling and I remember your full strikes, yeah. Yeah, and I remember Jeremy being very patronising to me, saying, "Bobby, I think you found your sport," which I thought was <laughs> incredibly patronising um, and very amusing. Um, so that was quite good fun too. But most nights, lovely. most nights we were in strikers, 
Um, but they, they were able to burn the candle, weren't they? So oh, we yes. would, we'd work these long days and we'd go, well, look, we, we're just going to tell them. Okay, Bob, we both agree. We're going to go back to the hotel and sleep. And we'd bump into one of them coming out of it going, hi, you guys coming out again? And we'd go, oh, yeah, yeah, just for a quick one. It was never a quick one. Oh, no. And then we were, we were, they were, we were eating, drinking, socializing, chatting about culture, music. Um, one guy burnt you a CD, didn't he? Of his yeah, he Indian did. Ocean music. Yeah, that was great. He said, you've got, you've got to try this. That was great. And, and then in the mornings, they'd be in the lifts going, good morning. And we go, how do you guys do this? And I have an, uh, abiding, I have an abiding memory of you standing at the bar in Strikers with a wad of rupees in your hand, buying around, chatting to all the people at the bar. You were having the time of your life. Oh, I um, it. it was a really, really great thing. It was just uh, one of those do things you that remember, stands out. I mean, there's certain things that are really interesting about some of our – what we did learn was when we trained, when we tried to use some of our analogies, they fell flat and had them all bursting out laughing Yeah, because we were so wrong. Yeah. So I did a whole thing about putting up a picture in your house and you put up this picture and they all burst out laughing. I said, what do you mean? Don't you put pictures? I said, no, well, we that gives work to somebody and we, we get someone in to put the picture up for us. And I went, right, so I can't use any of my DIY analogies. No. And then, I, and then I said, I remember, you know, you go cooking for ingredients, again, a roar of laughter. And they said, well, look, we, we actually pay this brilliant woman who who and she goes in all our fridges and she gathers things and yeah. cooks for us and just takes the money that we leave on the side and, okay so can't use the cooking analogies it doesn't matter what business book you read about i remember you and i you particularly you went and got a book didn't you about doing mm. business in india yeah what it doesn't tell you is about doing training business in india where no. you need to create analogies that hit and resonate and you know maybe that's a book that we could write um but, it, rem- but it, some of those things fell flat or had them raucously laughing out loud that a load of English people would spend hours on their Sundays trying to drill, put things up. They thought we're all mad. Maybe we are. I think we are. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember we had one day off in the 10 days we were there mm-hmm. and we went into um, Delhi proper and saw the Red Fort and that's where we went for the lovely lunch. And then um, we also um, went to some monuments. I remember that. And we also went to a market, if you recall. Yes, coming back, yep. And we bought some stuff. Oh, we stuff. were the first customers. In, it was early. We, yes, we got, we got going it. early, didn't we? And I, I bartered um, with a chap for a beautiful piece of cloth. For a long um, time. Yeah, it was good fun. And, Do you uh, remember his skill? I remember now. Just come back to me. Go on then. He, when you wanted more money off, because... I think the guy taking us there said, you know, this is important. This is negotiation. They're really going to get into this. Yeah. He negotiated always back to his initial price. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So always related to something. So he'd say, you'd say, I want it less. He'd say, well, this is, remember, it's not, it's not worth what you're saying it is. This is the starting price. Yeah. And he would go back to that price each time to tell you and remind you it was a discount based on the initial price. Yeah. So he never, never took the initial value of what he was trying to sell it for out of your head. Very good. Um, you eventually got got um, you know got to a rate that he was happy with. That was fine. And then I I went on a hunt for a cricket bat. Do you remember? I wanted to get my son a cricket yes. bat, a proper Kash- Kashmiri cricket bat. We went to a mm. tiny little sports shop, and brilliantly they said, "Okay, great, you've got the cricket bat, but what about the stumps? What about the ball?" And I said, "Well, good point." They said, "Well, you could buy stumps bat in England, but you could have a really good set from us." That was really filling up my suitcase, but I have a, <laughs> I still do now. I have a proper Kashmiri uh, from Kashmir uh, cricket bat. I know you can buy them here, but it was a little bit of something, and I think it was 
Sunil Gavaskar's signature was on it or something. Great. Obviously not an original. Yeah, that was great. It was great fun. And I think um, if I look back on that time, we got to know everyone very quickly. Everyone was very kind to us, very welcoming. Um, They were really keen that we should get, you know, where we were and what it was like and and how they were living. And... I think it was a, a, a great experience for us to see the potential that that wonderful country has and the energy and the application that they're all, they were all making at that point, which is some years ago now, to um, be able to serve more and more effectively. And I'm sure that now they must have reached a, a completely new level. Well, I, I think they have. I mean, they... You know, and I, I think interesting. We're recording this during COVID nineteen, mm. and you know the three letter acronym of business process outsourcing firms, and a lot of that expertise is in India. Um, mm. That's you know this firm. They weren't a business process outsource. They were a fantastic sales resource. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I do remember was their English was too good, mm. and we one of the first exercises we set. You know, you and I are big fans of setting a powerful agenda. Yeah, and the guy's agenda was too good. He said, um, "I want to, I want to be able to make a recommendation in accordance with your preferences." <laughs> and we said, "Whoa, yeah. in accordance with your preferences, that's too good. Too um, good. He Far said, too he said good. what do you mean? That's good. That's the correct English." I say, "It is, but uh, I think the North Americans that you're going to be speaking to, or the English people, you, you know, the people coming through on the phone, you're you're way above them." So that is another really interesting cultural thing, isn't it? That yeah. The people, their English is too good. We have to dumb it down. Well, I think that's a quite interesting learning because yeah. I think in other countries, if you're going to study a language, if you're taught it well, then they're they're teaching it to you properly. And even though we, of course, speak English, I don't really ever remember being taught the true grammatical elements of it. And I think... The, the way we talk English now is a kind of version of it, um, whereas I think other countries study it properly. Well, and yes, yeah. we ha- had to explain that certain expressions and words and just wouldn't I was be picked, used. I was picked up by a couple of um, – there were some girls who challenged me, me, interesting to use that word challenge. They said, well, why are you going to do that with a customer? Because mm. we talked about ejection. And I said, well, you need to challenge them. They said – Sorry. And they, they said, what do you mean challenge? You don't want to challenge customers. That's rude, isn't it? And they mm. had a really fair point. And I remember thinking, it's interesting, we use all that word in English and all the American sales trainers go, you need to challenge people. And yes. I just said, uh, you're, you're checking with them, really. And she went, oh, that's mm. fine then. And, and they, they, yeah. they didn't miss a trick, actually. They're very, um, very astute to things. Yeah, we, I, I mean, we've, we've learned that, I think, think the other thing that I have learned is that right now we're in this very intensive remote learning, remote training. You and I are doing quite a lot of sessions a week, having extra meetings. It's all not face-to-face. No. And you're you're immersed head and shoulders only, listening, looking, and it's sort of trying to get as much done in that way. And it has, it has a great value and it works. But what this was was a complete immersion for those people who were in the training – having long days with us, but they were completely immersed into the whole idea of language, the question, you know, mm. the long conversation. You know, it's a sort of seven hours in how to have a brilliant conversation. How many people 
luxuriously would be invested in a seven-hour program to think of a conversation that could take four or five minutes. Some of these conversations were quite short. Yeah. But we absolutely took it apart. And I think that's possibly why they loved it so much is that we took our real – we could elongate each section of the conversation and make it a, a dynamic training package. Well, what was great, of course, was that we then went on to go to America, to Pennsylvania, to Seattle, um, to San Antonio. And so soon, every single person who took a call for that company were using our model, which is a great way to think about it. Um, And all they had to do was uh, adapt it uh, to the different geographies that they were in. But that was a great thing to know that right across the globe, really, our stuff was being trained and then used um, all the time, which was fabulous. Um, I it was will, fabulous. I will, I will round off by saying, and we will talk about America at another point, another podcast, because that's another story in itself. Um, when we got home, uh, long journey back, we were exhausted. Um, I hadn't really slept in India at all uh, for various reasons, but the jet lag going that way had really affected me. And I'd been up most nights and hadn't found it particularly good in that respect. And I was exhausted when I got home. Tummy was not brilliant. And I remember coming home and all my family were pleased to see me. And I remember my wife said, right, well, should we go and get a curry tonight then? And I was like, no, no, no. Fish and chips possibly, but nothing else. No no curry, no way, Uh, which is very unlike me as it is my favorite. Well, imagine having, imagine in the UK having... 10 curries in 10 days or 20 curries yeah. in 10 days. That's yeah. what we were doing. Yeah. We just were eating Indian food all the time. Apart from our omelette in the morning, Yeah, it was all just completely Indian food. We immersed ourselves into it, you know, yeah. so we benefited from that too. Yeah. Well, look, it's been nice to go down memory lane with you. Yes, indeed. Um, and we'd love to go to India again. Mm. If, you're, if you're listening to this and you're in India, you go, what can reality training do for us? Mm. I think we can do a little bit, don't you? So, definitely, uh, definitely. But we'll reminisce with some more bonus episodes and there'll be more debates coming soon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the next episode, for those of you who are listening to this chronologically, is going to be all about company values. Ooh. That'll be our next episode. Yes, whether or not they are something that can be constructed or not. So if you like this podcast, then nothing helps us more than a rating and a review. If you If you rate us, then please rate us. Tell your friends, the more people who... We reach with the kind of work that we're trying to do. And of course, these fun little extra bonus episodes, that would help hugely. So thank you so much for tuning in. You've had Jeremy Blake. And Bob Morrell. And Bobby Morrell. Take care. Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast.